Hey, this is Spencer. I wanted to do a very quick disclaimer before this episode. Uh, We had a couple of electronical disturbances in the episode. I believe it was my fault. I had the mic somewhere close to um, some sort of power line or something like that in the second half of this. Be aware, there's a little bit of sound glitches, but the episode is still great. Anyways, check it out. Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're you're about about to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 9 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we are returning to Cowboy Bebop with episode 6, Sympathy for the Devil. Yeah, it's one of those cards that you get from the store when somebody has been terrible to you, but you still feel terrible for them. You're, You're buying... Like condolence cards for don't people. Don't read into it. Let's just get started. Wrong, dude. Just, just don't read into it. All right. Okay, here we go. We're starting up with episode 6 of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, we haven't been back to Cowboy Bebop in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been some time. I think it's actually been more than four weeks in our real lives because we had some episodes banked in advance and then we had some episode recording dates that we missed due to illnesses yeah, and I, scheduling conflicts. When I... S- when I I was like getting back into it and watching things online, I'm gonna give a, a quick little plug to a uh, a great little series that's done by Cartoon Hangover. If you've never watched them before, they do like this fact series where it's just like 107 facts about different animes and different cartoons. Yeah, I've been watching. And the one those. about Cowboy Bebop is fantastic. Have oh, you seen man. it? I haven't seen that one. I watched the one about Avatar: The Last Airbender and a couple other yeah. ones. Yeah, that's also like the same channel that has a you know the the shows that are created by like the same people that did Adventure Time. I think. Yeah, the Bravest Warriors. Um, they also do and, Bee and Puppy Cat. Bee and Puppy Cat. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry a, about your crotch. Here's a lasagna. <laughs> that's a that's a great channel. I wish we were cool. What do you mean? I just like in general. Yeah. I think we're, you know, I mean, it's like, <sighs> I don't know what you're getting at here. I just want to be cool, man. I just want to be cool. Just like in general? I just want, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways. I guess that's not now the hand that we, I was dealt. Now that we're returning back from that super depressing moment talking about that? <laughs> uh so yeah we recently in cowboy bebop history i mean the episode the show is mostly episodic with some character development per episode um mm-hmm. but our most recent cowboy bebop episode was pretty serious that is where we met vicious which is spike's um, major rival and they had a climactic battle that felt like it could fit just as well at the end of a series as it did at the beginning of one and it was awesome and emotional and uh, we are going to continue on with these characters and it gets pretty emotional today too actually yeah there's there's a bunch of really cool stuff that happens in this episode including my first moment where I was like like, Spike has a cybernetic eye, you know about that, you know about a battle inside of space and all this kind of stuff, but it it really didn't hit home for me that there's, like, weird, crazy science fiction-y things happening inside of the show Yeah. Um, until this episode, because, like, Sympathy for the Devil, like, really sort of bends what you expect out of the show, and, like... Yeah, like, we're going to get into an episode a little bit later on. I, I don't know if it's the next time we're going to be getting there, but when we get to Pierre Lafleau or Pierre Lafeau, like, man, that's there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in Cowboy Bebop that I had forgotten about still watching it again. Yeah, that is a particularly upsetting episode. But, yeah, we're definitely not getting that to, today. I think he's he's way in the future. We'll be That'll be a couple of Bebop episodes from now, I think, unless yeah. I'm Anyways. wildly inaccurate. Uh, so but... the first thing that we see 
is a bunch of surgeons with blue eyes that are like standing over um, somebody inside of an OR room. Um, yeah, we and see then, lots of different clips. In addition to these surgeons, we see an eye being held open by metal clamps, and it's creepy and horrible. Yeah. And then there's, like, a fish at one point that's, like, swimming through, like, this blue bubble thing. In the... <laughs> yeah, there it starts to get kind of uh, nonspecific, and uh, the only word I can think of is meta, and that's not the right word. Um, also, when I was watching it, I was like, they do the scroll up shot, and like, where Spike's private parts, by the way, Spike is the one in the OR, where Spike's private parts are supposed to be, it just looks like a Ken doll, unless his big toe is covering his penis. <laughs> well, um, I, I mean, I guess it's the big toe, big toe dick. <laughs> He's got big toe dick. <laughs> it's a, it's an epidemic. Yeah, it's when like a it's when like a nail grows over the top of it. I can't even finish that. Oh so god, <laughs> you took it in such. a... I thought it was just like a size condition, and now there's no. I don't like this conversation. We're we're. I can hear people deciding to no longer listen to this show. Yeah, right now. absolutely. It's horrible. Yeah. So yeah, there's um, this is like a dream memory, and uh, Spike wakes up. Um, to this, he's in a club where there's a a kid on stage playing a harmonica, and yeah, he's a beast. He's a beast on harmonica. Yeah, he's really good, and it's very you know. I think we've talked a little bit about this about how much music plays into this show, um, really setting the tone of this kind of space western, um, and it, it mm-hmm. it's fully on display here um, as it has been in the past, um. Yeah. We get a little bit of Faye seeing that there's a, a bounty going around. and uh, Also, she eats Ayn's food out of the fridge. That's true. Like a yeah. jerk. This is kind of a running uh, a running thing that I think we've talked about as well is that the they are not super successful as bounty hunters. Like they are pretty much always – we're always picking up an episode at a point when they have not had a bounty for a while. So, like, mm-hmm. Faye's eating Ein's food because there's not other food to go around. Um, yeah. They're not starving to death like that game that we played at Gen Con last year. Oh, my gosh. We we playtested this Cowboy Bebop board game, and it was cool, but it was like, you gotta travel around to these different planets, so there's, like, you're moving around, but if you want to buy food, you have to, like, be at specific ports on specific planets and have the money for it and your money is constantly running out and you're using food yeah. at such a clip it was like it was so hard and i we were play testing it it was very much in its infancy but man that was it was a really fun experience but that game was brutal yeah for real it was it was very very brutal yeah i really felt my poverty in that situation just deep deep inside yeah (laughs) so whatever we're back to the bar and the guys that are watching the target whose name is giraffe and another character in this episode is named zebra and that's what we're doing yeah because those are normal code names when you're in the safari adventure which we obviously are on we are very much in a safari adventure today yeah so well uh yeah, Don't no, you know that this entire show is based inside of a safari universe? Yeah, it's space safari. Yeah. So... Anyways. Uh, so, there's there's Giraffe, and then, um, you know, he sees the kid from earlier, and uh, he's, like, walking along, and he's wheeling some, like, you know pretty older guy on top of like a uh, like a wheelchair this dude this and dude then, looks super frail he's like hunched though yeah. he's really thin he looks like he's yeah. is near death or something yeah and spike is chasing after giraffe and then they get uh up to an apartment and giraffe like busts into the apartment and yells like starts yelling at um it, I thought he was yelling the first time at like the man in a chair, but you start to realize that like he's actually talking to like this kid. Yeah, it's um, it's a red herring. So you think that the older dude in the wheelchair is, is zebra, 
Um, but it's not. It's a kid, and he shoots the dude out of the window. Um, and then Giraffe, he's... I don't know how he survives this fall. He, he falls out of a skyscraper after being shot, but he is alive enough so that Spike can get him some last words and this episode's MacGuffin. And so Giraffe tells Spike not to be confused by how Zebra looks and that he needs help and then gives a stone ring to Spike before promptly dying. Yeah. So we head back for some fun bebop times. And on the ship, uh, they're discussing whether or not they should sell the ring uh, for profit. And then Jet gives Faye an invoice for all the charges she's racked up aboard. So uh, you remember, she's she just came onto the ship pretty recently and kind of talked her way onto it or assumed herself onto the crew. So um, they're definitely uh, is not they're not all happy about this situation. Like she's not being perceived as part of the group. And is more of like a somebody who's staying with them, uh, but not yeah. for free, which I like that. Yeah, because it kind of gives you like the impression that what I sort of assumed that to begin with, that's just like Faye is not welcome here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and again, the show is it's a lot about um, the the main plot of the episode is usually kind of a one shot in nature but the character growth that happens in the episode is what really carries through the show and is what kind of gives the show its through line so i mean that it may seem innocuous or or strange that we mentioned things like oh there's this one short scene where they give Faye a bill because she's not really part of the team but that's all kind of part of what carries the show through it's um it's through arc and it's what ends up making the show so good is the characters. Yeah. Can we talk about the box. next character that's introduced? Do it. Because we need to talk about Fatty. Fatty. <laughs> this is, that just makes me think of, uh, of Cotton Hill from King of the Hill and his story about how he, he saves his friends from the sharks. He's like with his like four army buddies or whatever. And they get, like shot down or, or they're stranding and stranded in some ocean and these sharks start to swim up around them. And he's, he goes, I had to give them fatty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is a different fatty. Yeah. Let's, and he, let's we're not talk calling him one. fatty because he's overweight, even though he is, that's his name. Yeah. He goes by fatty. And so Jet and Fatty, they're they're having lunch together. They're on a they're on a brunch date actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then there was like there's like a a kid and his uh his like father figure in quotes zebra and that giraffe used to be their like comrade. It's like a it's like a whole thing. Uh, I guess. Yeah, um, but I mean, ultimately, but, Fatty is like a he's friends with Jet from back in the day, and he's informed he's yeah. given him some information. Yeah, and so Spike at the same time is following Zebra um, and this kid to a warehouse, and he's, like, getting ready to confront Zebra to find out what the hell's going on, you know? Yeah, so he's at this confrontation, and we get a shot of Jet and Faye, who they're doing some computer research, and they find a picture of the kid with a younger guy in a wheel in the wheelchair and the wheelchair looks like the same wheelchair or the same kind of wheelchair, which I guess like maybe they should have upgraded at some point, but regardless, this younger guy kind of looks like a younger version of the hunched over dude in the wheelchair right now. And this picture was published 30 years ago. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Then we like smash cut to spike and he's trying to like come up on zebra, but the kid has like pulled a gun and shot spike already. Yeah, he shoots him in the arm, which made me think, as soon as that happened, it made me think of what you were talking about last Bebop episode, where where Spike's always at a disadvantage against Vicious, because of some, oh, yeah. some injury, or numerically speaking, like he's alone and his enemies are not, or whatever, and as soon as he got shot in the arm, I was like, oh, they put him at a disadvantage. <laughs> 
Because that's the only way that you defeat Spike. Yeah, because you have to put him at a disadvantage. Otherwise, always. he's just going to always win. Yeah, they, they talk. They talk about that inside of like the hundred and seven facts about it too. Because like they wanted Spike to be the coolest character. So in order for him to ever be beaten, he must be disadvantaged and have a, like a handicap of some kind. Yeah, which is. It's um, it's a good dramatic trick. It totally works when it's done well, and it's done well every time in Cowboy Bebop. So yeah. um, he gets shot, and then we get a flashback to this mm-hmm. kid. And he's playing harmonica, and he's there with some adult people who we assume to be his parents. And then, And then you look up. And the gate above them has, like, exploded. And this is the great gate crisis that we've talked about a little bit. Yeah. This is your first, like, flashes of it. Um, and it's it's destroyed. And the, the uh, kid is, like, the next shot that you see. I, I don't think you see the wreckage hit the, the house. But he's, like, yeah, he's it, like in it debris. Yeah, to it. Yeah, and he's, like, rising up from the ashes of it, looking exactly the same, like, unhurt. But underneath, he's, like, literally rising up from the charred body of his father, and it's really macabre. Oh, yeah, it's it's really upsetting. Yeah. So, uh, the kid, or back in the present, the kid is talking to Spike. He asks where the ring is before shooting at him, so the kid has, has deduced that Spike's managed to get the ring. But Spike escapes from the kid, um, and then uh, he he hides behind some um, some Heidi stuff. Oh god! Yeah. Oh god! <laughs> and um, so like, uh, one he like hides for a little bit, and then Spike like comes around a corner and shoots the gun out of the kid's hand. Yeah. Um, and then the kid throws this wheelchair at Spike with like the zebra guy inside of it and like it starts to fall down the stairs to like stop spike and he like fires after him and then he like catches up just a little bit and the kid turns and then he shoots the kid in the head yeah which i did not remember happening and i was like what happened (laughs) yeah but like he goes over to like get the kid and like check up on him but there's like blood and nobody yeah and it's like a big blood splatter it looks like the kid exploded in blood and he's just gone yeah yeah so then we're back on the bebop and we get to have a little bit more backup (laughs) yeah so we get to figure out what happened to this person to make him who he is right so spike is getting patched up by jet and Zebra is kind of quietly crying. So they hook him up to some sort of brain reader machine science fiction-y thing. And this is going to let them watch as Zebra's memories kind of Hold like on. television. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. What's happening? So, uh, um, what? hi, everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's, Dude, uh, let's Spencer, make why don't you tell the folks possible. at home what the hell just happened? So I was recording and I got accosted <laughs> by an old woman who was like, this is private property. You can't be parked here. And was I was she... like, what? It, it What is even happening right now to me? Was she? I was like, it's literally on the side of the road. But like, was she in like a uniform or was she just like a, a civilian? No, she was just an old woman who lived in that neighborhood, I'm pretty sure. You she just drove got... past my car earlier, like when I was on the phone with you, and like she drove past and I was like, that's weird. And then she drove past again and then she just came a, like a cruising real slow next to me and then she rolled down her window and she just started waving at me and I was like, okay. And she was like, you can't be here. This is private property. And I was like, it's, I'm parked on the street. Why? That doesn't make whatever. any sense. Whatever. Well, we're back. And, and you've been here this whole time, listeners. For yeah. you, Anyways. this was but a moment mm-hmm. with the, it's the magic of magic of media. <laughs> so let's finish this episode that we oh, watched. Oh yeah, yeah, so, we were right near so, the end. I guess they, yeah, our so, listeners, are frustrated with us that we were right near the end and we got so thoroughly sidetracked by something 
that they could not fully experience. Magical media. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Okay, so, so... When we last left off before this crazy thing just happened to us, Jet was patching up Spike's arm, Faye is looking at Zebra crying, and they're looking at Zebra's memories in this new, like, hookup machine. They're watching his memories like like a TV show. Yeah, it's just like a TV show. It's easy. Um, All the kids have have the memory watchers. (laughs) (laughs) So they're they're watching Zebra's memories of when, uh, like, when Giraffe was a kid. Was, and no, not when he was a kid, when he was killed. Oh, God. <laughs> similar. It's similar, but different. <laughs> yeah. So, Giraffe was killed, and Giraffe revealed that the ring has, like, it was able to, like, return time to the kid, because something about this ring is, like, very special. Yeah, it is. Um, it's like a... They do explain it, and I had the good sense not to write it down. We just found out that uh, they can turn the ring into something that makes the kid age again. And so Spike has made a bullet out of that gem to shoot the kid with. I think the ring already makes him age, but Spike gets real clever about it. So he, like, puts yeah. the ring, he, like, forges it into the tip of a bullet so that the kid yeah. won't see it coming, basically. Yeah, because one thing you never want when you're trying to put a ring on it is for the person to see it coming. Yeah, it, this is basically what the Beyonce song is about, is if you like it, you you should have put a ring on it, but you didn't, so but you're going to you, fashion that ring into the tip of a bullet <laughs> and shoot it at them. Okay, so like the, the equation Christmas. that you just put down was just like either get married to them or suicide pact. I didn't say you kill guess, yourself after. I guess just homicide? Yeah. Marriage or murder, it's the two M's. <laughs> the two M's. The two pillars of society. <laughs> yeah, that's why you have to get married before you're 30, or you go on a killing spree. Yeah, totally. Anyways, so the kill the the kid has killed a cab driver in this in this time, because he wants a car. It's I a guess. serious dick he, move. He, like, hails a cab just so he can kill the dude so he can ride around. Yeah, he's really an awful, awful child. It sucks. Man. But the good news for for all of this is that we're really close to the end of the episode, so we're, we're kind of fudging the numbers at this point. Because, like, basically, immediately thereafter, the Swordfish 2 with Spike in it is behind the car and shoots it to... And they're, like, out in the out in the wastes or whatever so the car runs into this derelict gas station and explodes and then we have like a really the the cool shot of the kid like walking out of the fire it's really bitching yeah and he's just kind of walking at him and then he's like he shoots around spike he's not really looking to hit spike it seems like yeah he's like sneering at him almost yeah, and while Spike is doing this, he just, like, levels the gun at him, and the kid stares him down, and he's, like, not afraid at all, and Spike, like, levels him square in the forehead with a gun, and the kid just, like, really creepily turns into an old man and just, like, crumples onto the ground. Yeah, immediately this, like, scientific spell is broken, and all of the years come rushing at him, and he just crumbles, like... Yeah. It's so, it's disturbing. What I sort of took away from it is like the the gems or whatever are something that like uh, helps with the gates in order to create like time travel and or not time travel but like you know ripping holes in time and space. Yeah, they're so like shifting dimensions across long and stuff. distance. Yeah. yeah. So like what that I, I think about this is it must just be like some sort of power source. And, like, it's some weird, like, element or something that they've used in order to create, like, rips in time and space. And that's what they used to power these gates. Or they used to power the gates. And, like, he was basically infused with one. And so by hitting him with another one, it, like, returns him to his normal timeline. Yeah. So he can now be affected by, you know. So it's like his time was, like, shifted over into, like, the other dimension or something. And then, like, connecting with this shifted it back. Mm-hmm. that's cool i like that yeah. theory yeah so this is like the first the time things... in our show's history where we've posited a theory but like for real yeah 
So one of the things that uh, uh, they do in these couple of episodes too is they they also um, start naming them off of like really famous songs. Like uh, apparently "Sympathy for the Devil" is a Rolling Stone song, and then "Heavy Metal Queen" is like that's the next episode. Song. What's yeah. it? it's a Metallica? But, you said? No, I, I'm not sure who it is, but oh. like I know that it's like a another person's song. So like we're about to jump into the next episode, which is "Heavy Metal Queen." Ooh, I love this ooh. episode. This by episode's the way. so good. Yeah, it's it's an episode that's like really really unexpected from this universe. Like yeah. we. We haven't seen an episode quite like this, and also it it plays with a a, a different type of music, kind of like Ballad of the Fallen Angels, yeah. Where it's just like it takes a step away from jazz and goes into like weird Japanese metal. Yeah, it's great, and this is one of the episodes that I think about when I think about the show. Like when I sat down to watch it all the way through a couple of years ago for the first time this is one of the ones that like stuck with me and it's kind of not a huge episode in the grand scheme of things. Like I said, most episodes are episodic. This is one of them. Uh, Episodic meaning that they really are self-contained. They don't carry over plot from one episode to the next and they don't really affect the larger narrative. Um, Yeah. The last episode was kind of like that too though. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Cowboy Bebop is, I got to say, I personally am not huge on episodic stories um, it's one of the reasons why I have a hard time watching things like Buffy and shows from that era because very few of the episodes play into the overall plot. And I really cut my teeth on stuff like Lost where every episode is the plot. And if you miss one episode, you are not – you are you are out of the loop. And so that's really my preferred viewing style. Cowboy Bebop is so good at telling these stories that it – it's not a problem for me. Like I don't need each story to advance some sort of deep interconnected narrative because each story is telling it's telling is told so well and is so interesting on its own merits. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, so let's um, tell the story. How about, let's do that. So, so we get like a couple of shots of like, uh, this metal music playing in the background and space, like space, like trucks going. Through it's truckers around, like... in space. Yeah, and so there's a one of these space trucks is docking with a space depot, um, and we get our first glimpse of VT, who's like uh, the trucker that is the main the main focus of this episode. Yeah, she she's like a an ascended extra or something. She she is basically like an additional protagonist that we get for this episode, and then we move on from her back to the the main crew. The main crew's around, but she's around too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's got she's got her cat with her. Um, yeah, and I another trucker talks about how um, how there was a trip from Venus uh, in in four days, and she corrects him to three. And uh, he pays her a wager to guess her name, and he gets it wrong. She's really sort of like the Rumpelstiltskin of this episode as well. Yeah. She, like, bets people that they isn't, can't guess her name. Isn't Rumpelstiltskin also the one that, like, steals babies and shit? Yeah, but, uh, I mean, we assume that she does that in her spare time as well. I guess, I mean, you gotta have a hobby. So, basically, what we know from VT is that she is particularly skilled truck driver because she can make these runs in a in an amount of time that makes the other truckers around her impressed. And also, she's kind of an enigma. She goes by initials, and nobody knows what the initials mean, and this has become a game. Um, uh-huh. We actually... She actually mentions this. I don't know if this is later on in the notes, but I'm going to talk about it now is that she basically this is a game that came about because somebody kind of idly asked her one day and it just became kind of a a fun little low key obsession within this like local trucking community. And I, I like that. That's cool. Yeah. And so VT is coming into her bar and it she found that it's completely overrun with bounty hunters, including Spike Spiegel. Spike. He is super hungover, by the way. Um, and then he he mentions kind of casually that they're uh, looking for a bounty, and um, like all they know is that there's a dragon shaped tattoo. Yeah, and I, I don't remember how he mentions this. Is he like talking into like a, a headset or something? Mm, I think he's just. I think he's just talking. 
Sure, he's just yeah, narrating right. wildly out in the wilds. Um, yeah. So we we see Faye. This is a this is a great uh, a great scene. We see Faye while Spike is being hung over, and VT has arrived at this bar. She's at like a restaurant um, eating ice cream, and she sees this guy with a tattoo on his chest, and, and it looks kind of serpentine and scaly, and she thinks that he's the guy. So she sidles up to him and puts a gun under his chin and says says his name. And then, like, as she says the name of the, of the bounty, this dude, this, like, super scrawny, nerdy guy in the booth behind her, like, freaks out. And she, um, she asks, the guy's name is Decker. She asks Decker, which is the name of the skinny guy, not the guy she has held at gunpoint, She's like, hey, can you call the police? Call the police. And as Decker runs out, she catches a glimpse of him, and he's got a like a dragon tattoo on his arm or something like that. He's the boy with the dragon tattoo, and she realizes that she's got the wrong guy, and she like rips this the dude's shirt off, and it's like a fish or something. And he's like, yeah. what? I like I like sea bass or whatever it is. And she's like, come on. It's yeah, great. and meanwhile, VT is being like uh, she's white knighting some people. Yeah, she's uh, like Brienne uh, of Tarth. Particularly this 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 waitress is being harassed inside of her bar, and she's not having that shit. So, um, and uh, so she just starts fighting inside of here with some bounty hunters. Um, and meanwhile, Spike is trying to eat an egg to help with his hangover, and he spills it because like somebody bumps into him in the sp- in the fight. And Spike is just immediately so mad. Yeah. He like looks down at the counter and it's like on the counter and he's just like, really? His eye twitches, I think. He's great because he looks so bad. He's got like bags under his eyes. And then somebody bumps him and he is just like, it's action time. He is not happy. Mm-hmm. And so Faye is chasing Decker outside and he's escaping. Um, and then he throws down like this little capsule thing, which like explodes and Faye is not ready for it. Yeah. She, he, she's in her spaceship or something like that. And he, it's sort of like a flashbang grenade, but it's a little bit more destructive than that. He's able to escape this way. Um, uh, and then we cut back to VT. Um, the ruckus has, died down vt and spike have dealt with all of the ruffians and she and spike are talking and vt mentions to spike that she thinks that bounty hunters are sort of the lowest scum that there is because human beings are mean nothing more to them than a paycheck yeah and unbeknownst to her spike is obviously a bounty hunter as well right um, literally hunting a bounty a- right now He's making a drink called a prairie oyster to cure his hangover. Um, I think that there's a way grosser thing that we call a prairie oyster in America. Yeah, but it, uh, it, I'm not going to get into that. But don't Wikipedia it. It's it's definitely gross. It, I mean, yeah. If you Google prairie oyster, it's probably just going to be porn. That's what I assume for any non-common phrase. So just don't Google it. Just watch this episode. They'll tell you. Yeah. Anyways, um, so he's making this a curious hangover, and VT notes that her husband is the only other person that uh, that used to drink those. Um, and some old men come in. Uh, isn't it the same? Wait, is it the same old men as I always? I don't remember. Uh, you might be right. Yeah, but they come in to guess VT's name, and Spike offers to guess too um, before... Right before that, though, he, he can guess. He gets a call from Jet uh, about the bounty, and VT is like, you're one of the bounty hunters too? And she, like, completely tells him off. Yeah, she's not pleased. Um, so Spike runs outside, but he finds that his ship has been vandalized, so he needs transport. And luckily, VT's cat thinks that Spike is pretty great. She arrives, Spike asks... Um, if she'll take him along and she is not having it, but the cat jumps on him and is kind of being all cuddly with, with Spike. And so she relents and then Spike's like, Oh, I've got another passenger too. So it's Spike and Faye with their broken up ships on, mm-hmm. on a trip out to the bebop in orbit, I guess with VT. Yeah. yeah. And she gets a call from like one of her trucker friends. Uh, After like she's breaker, dropped them off. She's nine. off trucking. <laughs> yeah. 
So, like, she gets a call that's just like, hey, this person hit and ran um, my ship. It's this person that, um, and she sort of, like, deduces that, um, you know, she she's trying to figure out, like, who it's going to be. And so she puts out, like, a, a you know, an all-points bulletin to all the different truckers to figure out who this person is. Yeah, there's some sort of defining feature that I don't remember and didn't write down on the side of the truck. And she has learned from Spike talking about this bounty around her that that is the truck that Decker is riding around in. So she just basically puts a trucker head out on on Decker. Like, if you see him, you tell me and I'm going to go get him. Yeah. So so she actually finds him first. And she's, like, trying to ram him. She actually does ram into it a couple times. Yeah. And she calls Spike to tell him that they're um, near the Linus Mines. And Spike's like, do not, do not get close because he's hauling explosives. Yeah, so she's Don't been ramming do that this thing you're already doing. <laughs> right. Get away, you crazy woman. So, yeah. yeah, this guy, he's heading into these mines, which are themselves explosive with a truck full of high explosives, which doesn't sound like a great plan. Mm-hmm. So Um, he's being chased through the mine by VT. um, And (coughs) and I'm I'm dying. (laughs) So so he like threw, you know, he threw like the flashbang grenade kind of thing earlier at Faye. Mm -hmm. He throws another one of these at uh, VT, and he does not, like, roll down the window in space. There's, like, a a mechanism wherein he can, like, load some sort of gun that, like, drops it out behind him. So it explodes, and again, the Linus mines are explosive, so it sets off a chain of explosions, and VT uh, is able to get past him. It's pretty sweet. She basically, she sees that he is, like, driving in the way that maybe like an uneducated person would drive and she pulls some sweet ass trucker tricks to avoid like falling debris and then explode out of the um the area while leaving decker behind so decker he's probably done and um vt has kind of temporarily escaped but she's still within the mines and her truck is trapped and the mine is going to explode, so you got to get VT out of the mines. Yeah. So um, he Spike uh, sets his ship to explode, like once phase launches. What'd you say? The nitrous. Yeah. So uh, essentially, they. Um, Wait, did they call it nitrous? The yeah, explosive, the explosives. Yeah, oh so, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, so there the the explosives that Decker were was hauling is nitrous, and they Spike and Faye are in their respective ships that have been repaired, and they are going to try and help VT escape slash escape themselves, and so um, Faye's ship has these little mechanical arms on the front. She goes to take this explosive material out of the truck that Decker was hauling and um, punctures it. Yeah. She almost sets it off, but luckily she doesn't. And so she launches the nitrous at the exit. But um, the problem is that spike can't shoot the canisters because his weapon system hasn't been repaired yet. So he sets his, his ship to explode and he is basically like an escape pod, like the little sort of circular, um, covering that he that is like the cockpit of his ship is actually like an orb that can detach from the ship. So he detaches mm-hmm. um, and sends the ship off to uh... oh no he doesn't detach does he? He actually just jumps out of the ship. Oh yeah no 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 he doesn't detach. He like I was I was kind of wondering where you were going there because like the thing he talks about is like his floating act, which yeah. is really interesting that they did this because like um, NASA astronauts actually talk about this too, is that they they get pretty annoyed when people talk about like if you're in space and you get like a hole inside of your suit or you're out without oxygen or something like that, yeah you'll die because like of lack of oxygen, but if you're like 
holding your breath, you're not going to like, your body's not going to collapse in on itself and it's not going to make your lungs explode. It's just going to be like awful and cold and you'll not be able to breathe anymore. Right. Yeah. You will not immediately perish. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be fast. So Spike knows this and he does his floating act to get to VT, which is essentially he leaps out of the ship and everybody's freaked and he, he like does the right, um, he's going in the right direction, but he gets hit by like a debris or something. Something knocks him off course and everybody's like, Mm -hmm. oh no, he's going to die. And also these things are about to explode. And then he pulls out his gun and shoots to give himself momentum back in the direction that he needs. And VT Mm -hmm. snags him just in time. And before he like, you know, does. Yeah. And (laughs) also right before the explosion goes off, um, cause mm-hmm. they need to get out of the mines cause this thing might go up. So it so explodes, they escape the... and they're in the cockpit with each other, Spike and yeah. VT for a little yeah. day and in VT's, VT like reveals to him too, that like what her name is, which is, no Spike uh, guesses it. What was that? Spike guesses her name. Oh yeah, that's right. Because he's like, oh, you're. Victoria, and I cannot pronounce this last name. Trepskaday. I think it's like Trepskaday. Yeah. But she was the wife of a famous bounty hunter that died. Right. So we don't know exactly what the story is, but it kind of, you know, it's a callback to her being upset at bounty hunters. And it's yeah. pretty touching. Okay, let's talk about Waltz for Venus. So, oh, man. This episode's so good. I cried in my apartment by myself watching this episode on like a Monday night and I'm like tearing up. It's so good. Yeah. So, uh, there's a ship approaching Venus and it's, uh, we're, we're warned at the beginning of this, that there's this Venus sickness. Yeah. It's like a, um, a PA warning that comes on as the ship approaches Venus. Yeah. And it's, it's a potentially fatal illness. I, I don't know if they say that it's a potentially fatal, fatal, but like, they cause it's caused by these foiling plants that are used to terraform Venus, which is I really want to go into the science of this more because one of the things that you learn about Venus is that it like literally rains acid on Venus. Um, it's it's so insanely insanely like difficult to live on Venus if you were going to try to terraform it. Um, so they've invented this these plants that, like, they introduced to the atmosphere, apparently, that just, like, you know, turned the atmosphere into hospitable for humans. Yeah, and they they take the form of clouds, essentially, on Venus. So there's, you'll look at the clouds, but you'll realize that they're these plants, and then sometimes they sort of, like, you know, kind of like when it's spring in certain places and you get, like, all those, all the pollen and stuff in the air, you'll get um, this rain of these sort of floating white spores and it, it can cause mm-hmm. Venus sickness in some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see some, we see some guys um, and, and they're just watching and uh, they, they pull out their guns and they try to take the ship hostage. Yeah. So Spike is napping. Everybody is freaking out except for Spike who has a, a mask over his eyes that make it look like he has his eyes open. And the, one of the kidnappers comes over and tries to like nudge him awake and spike just beats the crap out of him while waking up. Like he's just sort of like stretching his arms and stuff. And it just happens to stretch like his elbow into the dude's face and stuff like that. It's hilarious. Mm hmm. Um, and then at this, uh, right after that, there's, there's this other guy, um, and he's trying to, to, to get to a, uh, a shipping company and he's, he's trying to ship this package to the middle of the desert. And, uh, these people that he's trying to ship it through, they do not want to do this. Yeah. There's no address. You just want to go to the middle of the desert and they're like, it's going to cost you way extra. And he cannot haggle them down to the regular price and he can't afford the extra. So, so 
Spike is finally cashing in a bounty, and sidebar, is this the first time that they I, we actually see them cash in a bounty? It might be. I don't think it's their first successful bounty on the show, but definitely it's the first time we see them cashing it in and they've got money. And mm-hmm. basically Spike cashes in his bounty and then Faye goes to him to get her share. So they're still they're still they still got separate bank accounts and stuff. And it's really cool. They have like some sort of like almost debit card looking thing and they instantly transfer funds to each other which is pretty sweet and not super different from how things work for us now which is cool so science we're moving towards the future guys yeah so um, so this guy that was trying to ship this package he's trying to pickpocket spike which does not go very well no not at all um and uh, Faye, at the same time, has gone off to spend her money at a casino. Um, he 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 gets caught by Spike, and he he then kind of like blurts out to Spike that he has he has skills he needs, uh, and you know, please teach me some of your moves, Spike, because you're just like the coolest person I've ever seen move. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he was trying to turn a bad situation into a good situation by being like, oh, I didn't pickpocket you, but, like, maybe you can teach me. Or if he was trying to pickpocket Spike to see if he was, like, as, like, a test almost. I mean, not... It wasn't, like, super premeditated, but, like, it kind of felt like he knew that Spike was going to be too good for this, but he went for it anyway, and when he was proved right, he was like, yes, this guy should teach me his moves, was kind of the impression I got. Yeah. Um, Spike is, uh, he, he doesn't really want to teach this guy. Um, and he's telling him off a little bit and his voice kind of like goes super high and you find out that it's because of like the helium that's in the atmosphere. Um, and right after that, the guy introduces himself. His name is Rocco. Um, he's a super important character in this episode, basically what the entire episode is about. Yeah. Um, Side and, note, the uh, voices go back to normal because of some pill or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he Spike teaches uh, Rocco just a little bit after this. He has a little bit of like a sensei moment with him. Yeah, he's teaching Rocco not to be tense, but to flow like water. And um, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but Spike is explicitly modeled off of... Um, oh, I was going to say Jet Li, but that's not right. He was He's modeled off of Bruce Lee. That's it. God. Well, it's Bruce Lee and then another um, actor from Japan that was in, like, this film noir show that was really popular inside of Japan as well. Right, but that he, was he's more... wearing, like, the exact same kind of suit. Yeah, that... I, I mean, I guess what I mean to say is I'm specifically talking about his fighting style is an homage oh, to yeah. Bruce Lee. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so we then have some thugs that show up after Rocco... Um, and, uh, he just gives Spike the package and then runs off, uh, and the, the thugs chase after him as if he's like, you know, still got something of theirs. Yeah. Um, The the package is the one that, sorry, the package is the one that Rocco was trying to get shipped out to the middle of the desert. And he just kind of hands it to Spike sight unseen and lets him know where they should meet up later and then flees. Yeah. Um, so Jet, uh, Jet then, um, is, is hanging out with Spike and they're talking about their next bounty. Yeah. They're back um, aboard the it's, Bebop. It's, yeah. It's a group, including Rocco, who we just met. Um, and apparently they stole this important plant that's used to cure, uh, Venus sickness. Yeah. Um, and so this is like the big thing that we're finding out about this is that like this Venus sickness is not only curable and can be dealt with but it's 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 so difficult to get one of these plants that and so expensive it sort of reminds me of like what's happening with like the pharmaceutical hiccups on like epipens and stuff we're talking about yeah and i'm like it's it's like the same sort of thing with this plant it's it's kind of upsetting to find yeah. out that, like, they're talking about this inside of this, you know, animated fictional show. Yeah, the, I think the difference is that in our real-life situation with the pharmaceutical companies, they're hiking up prices often, not always, but often they hike up the prices simply because they desire to make more money per per purchase rather than out of mm-hmm. 
necessity. Whereas in the specific incidents, it, it also this happens in real life. So if you're like, no, not always, like, don't get worried about that. Like, yeah, sometimes it's a supply and demand problem, but definitely in universe of Cowboy Bebop, this is a supply and demand problem. These plants are super rare. They're extremely fragile. And uh-huh. that is the problem. That That's what makes them so valuable because they're pretty necessary for Venus, which has been terraformed. So keeping its inhabitants from going crazy and dying is important. And the way to do that is really hard to sustain and really hard to find. Yeah. So Spike goes a little bit early to see Rocco. Um, and when he arrives at this place in the middle of the desert, there's a woman and she holds a gun to him and... Then she kind of, like, stumbles and falls over. Yeah, her um, she is not very good at being threatening. She holds a gun to him. She has no confidence, and she immediately trips over nothing. She's not even moving. She just falls into Spike. So not a great guard dog. Yeah. Um, Spike is just like, hey, I'm looking for Rocco. And then she, like, completely perks up because she's like, oh, you must be one of Rocco's friends. This is important that I'm meeting you. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. So and then we cut back to Rocco. <laughs> yeah, he's taking a piss and he looks around him and it turns out that he is taking a piss right in the middle of the thugs that are looking out for him. I think they come into the bathroom after him or something like that. And it's just a, a happenstance meeting that does not go great for Rocco. Um, but that's OK for us because we're going to cut back to the girl at, in the middle of the desert with Spike. Yeah, and she reveals that she's Rocco's little sister. Um, She went blind due to Venus sickness, Um, and she said that she gained the sense to tell if people are good or not, and she can tell that Spike and Rocco have something beautiful inside them, Um, which sort of reminds me of uh, Daredevil, and I'm just going to throw it out there that she is female space Daredevil. Uh, (laughs) That is now canon. She's got to go start fighting the space kingpin, and... yeah. Oh man, I'm I am probably finishing Daredevil season one tonight. I know I'm two thousand and late on this, but I have finally been watching it, and I watched the penultimate first season episode last night, and it's so good. I need to watch more. Yeah, that episode is fantastic. Anyway, so yeah, Anyways. so she. This is. Uh, I'm just gonna repeat it because it's so intensely beautiful. This moment where she's like, I can tell if people are good or not, and I can tell that you and Rocco are both good people because you have something beautiful inside of you. And it's so touching. And then Spike responds to her. And his response is that he's afraid that he lost that beautiful thing inside of him a long time ago. And it's just like devastating. Yeah. Um, he's found some seeds in inside, um, hidden in this music box. That's where, um, that's, that's apparently like where they found like this, you know. Yeah, she this music box. She thing. shows him the music box that her brother bought for him or something, mm-hmm. and then like taped uh, underneath the the lid or something are these seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut back to like Jet, who's talking about this, and he's talking about this plant, and it's called gray ash, and its its seeds are so rare. Um, that you're lucky if you see one in your entire life, apparently. Um, and Spike looks down and he's just like, these are the seeds inside of this music box. Yeah. It's like four or five seeds, maybe even more than that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we cut to pretty much, uh, we're, we're ramping up toward the climax of the episode. Spike has found this bag of seeds and um picoro picoro i think um he's the like the main thug so he's like at the top of the bounty chain on the uh wanted poster that uh jet was looking at earlier and the thugs um that rocco is included in in that situation they're beating up rocco now and they sort of threaten his sister like we're gonna go after her if you don't tell us where this thing is that you've taken. Yeah. Meanwhile, Faye is kind of looking around and finds something. 
I guess. Yeah, I put this down specifically because I did not remember this from my first time watching Cowboy Bebop. She's looking for Picaro, and she comes upon two people having sex, and it's two guys. And this show is from, like, the early 90s, and I thought that that was, like, shocking to see that, like, there's these two guys having sex. They're, they look like normal dudes, and the she just kind of interrupts them, and they're like, uh, I think they give her some information or whatever, but, like, nobody's weird about it. It It is presented like a scene that you would see in a show now when most of society is cool with gay people. But, like, back then, that wasn't the case, especially in Japan, as far as I know. And I was yeah. completely shocked to see it. And it, it's it's not a scene that you would necessarily remember, but it really stood out to me because it was so um, socially unexpected based on, like, the world in which this television show was made. Yeah. Well, we cut back to uh, the story, and Spike is meeting up with Rocco. Um, he reveals that uh, he's a bounty hunter and also knows about his sister. Um, and Rocco tells Spike to run before he gets killed, um, but Bakoro shows up right then. Right. Bad timing. The good news is that Faye has also shown up. There's a little bit of a gunfight, and then Faye arrives and turns the tables because Faye has arrived in her giant ship, and she starts smashing stuff and trying to take out these guys so she can get the bounty. Mm -hmm. Rocco um, is using, like, some of the moves that Spike taught him to, like, ward off attackers, but the thing is about using your hands to fight. If you're not Spike, or sometimes, mostly, always, if you are Spike, you're still going to get shot. Right. Um, and apparently so Rocco... It's not as bad if you're um, Spike. Yeah, and he gets shot... And he drops this plant, which I don't know if we mentioned before, but it has like a dome over the top of it. Yeah, this is, I, it, I like, think we've completely neglected this. This is the package that was given to Spike earlier. Um, and he realized it earlier in the episode, but hasn't made any decisions on what to do with it aside from keeping it as a package. The package was one of these plants and it's the gray ash plant. Um, this is not connected to the packet of seeds that he found earlier. That was in the music box, which was not a part of the package. So there's a whole situation going on here, but the plant, it was like a large, it's kind of like if you've seen Beauty and the Beast and the rose from Beauty and the Beast is in like one of those like long stand, it's like a, it's in a stand that has a long cylindrical dome over it. It looks exactly like that, but the plant inside is not a rose. Yeah. And after the, the thugs get beat up, uh, Spike like goes to Rocco. Well, the, like, sorry, the, to... I think we skipped this. Is that the plant? So the plant that we forgot to mention earlier falls out of Rocco's hands when he gets shot. And oh yeah, it breaks. The, yeah, it the wilts. dome breaks and the plant wilts immediately, just instantaneously upon contact with the the atmosphere. It wilts and it dies and it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rocco also is dying and he turns to Spike. And he's like, I I think we could have been friends to Spike. And it gets real sad. It's so sad. And we cut to Stella, who is now in a hospital. Stella is Rocco's sister. She is getting this operation. Um, and the first thing that she tells Spike is obviously something horribly tragic. Yeah. Which is that she wants to see Rocco as that the first thing that she sees after her operation. Yeah, oh, and then she reaches out and touches Spike's face, um, which she did earlier to to sort of get a feel for what he looks like. And when she touches Spike's face, she can feel his somber expression, and she realizes that Rocco is dead. Yeah. <sighs> so Spike tells Stella... This is sort of so touching because it was one of those moments where it's sort of like lying a little bit to tell a narrative about somebody that, that was maybe not completely true, but that they sort of earned in the end. And yeah. so Spike tells Stella is sort of as a comfort that Rocco was exactly the person that Stella thought he was. 
uh, hearkening and back to that as, beautiful thing inside of him. And, like, as he's walking away, the, like, spores start to fall, and it's, like, snow, and it's so sad. It's so sad, but it's also so beautiful. It's so well done, and it is yeah. so worth watching. Yeah. Okay. So... And that's From it. That that's moment, Cowboy Bebop uh, for this week. Uh, as yeah. always, we highly recommend watching these episodes. But man, these three, they're, they are some heavy hitters. All of these episodes are fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to be going to back to Naruto and, next week. Yeah, we so. did it. So yeah, we'll, we'll have our, our normal teaser for next week's episode after the bump. And um, we'll see you then. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing work done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level 4 sound wizard. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to help us keep releasing episodes without the use of ads, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patrons get exclusive member content as well as unlocking group perks. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. New episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like the show, please like, subscribe, and review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. Next time on Naruto. We learn how to climb trees the ninja way. Believe it!